Well, hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler podcast, part of the Informed Traveler radio show, heard on Chorus Radio. It's a travel show where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. So now that we are officially into the fall season, in a few moments, we're going to chat with the folks from Travel Zoo, who recently polled their members and found that more than 60% are hoping to take at least one local getaway this fall. So we'll discuss that, among other things. And then we'll head to Victoria, B.C. and learn about the new renovations that took place at the Inn at Laurel Point. And later in the podcast, we'll visit Métis Crossing near Smoky Lake, Alberta. It's the first major Métis cultural interpretive centre in Alberta, so looking forward to that. But to start things out, we're going to chat for a few minutes with the folks from Travel Zoo. As I mentioned, they recently polled their members and found that more than 60% are hoping to take at least one local getaway this fall. So to discuss that and other things in the survey, we're very pleased to have with us Travel Zoo's resident travel correspondent, Susan Caddo. Their website is TravelZoo.com. Hi, Susan. Hi, Randy. Let's start with the uh, fact that 60% of your members are hoping to take at least one local getaway this fall. I think that's good news, right? Yeah, I think that's amazing news. I mean, they, 60% of people saying they're going to take another trip in the remainder of 2020. And, and I mean, this, are, this is in addition to the trips they took in the summer. Um, so I, I think we're looking at people that are eager to travel and ready to get out on the road. Mm-hmm. Well, I think from the standpoint of hoteliers and restaurant owners and, uh, you know, people just in the uh, hospitality in- industry in general, I would think they're a little bit nervous now because summer is over. People have a tendency to kind of buckle down for the winter. So this is some uh, light at the end of the tunnel to say, no, people are still willing to go out. I think they really are. And I think there's some, you know, the, the way that people are traveling is a little different this year. So, you know, we, we wanted to look at what was trending. The good news is that hotels and airlines have taken these amazing steps. So I think people are traveling not only locally, but maybe like we're seeing at Travel Zoo people who are booking these, you know, kind of overseas trips. And in a way, it's it's in part because travel, you know, airlines and everybody has made such a big effort to make it possible to travel with confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, KLM is one of our partners. They require, obviously, the face masks throughout yeah. the entire flight. But it's also this thing where people have adjusted the in-flight catering. So there's a lot less contact. Like, there's a lot less social. There's Social distancing is now incorporated, basically, when you fly when you travel, when you go to a hotel, um, and, you know, obviously the cleaning, you know, aircrafts are being thoroughly cleaned between each takeover. Hotel rooms are being thoroughly cleaned yeah. and left in some cases to sit for a few days between visitors. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think you're right. I actually uh, wrote a, uh, a blog about this. I think the travel industry has done just about everything it can do, uh, including all those measures that you talked about, plus the fact if I book a trip or something, the, the cancellation policies are very relaxed now. I can get my money back cancelling yeah. out and now you're even seeing COVID insurance offered by a number of uh, tour operators and insurance companies that uh, wasn't available a few months ago. Yeah Randy this is by far my favorite trend because um, like anybody I worry when I hit you know um, when I when I pay what what's going to happen if something changes and of course that is so much on people's minds right now and I think we're going to see this shift uh, continuing throughout the fall. Flexible booking policies are now the rule rather than the exception um, you know, and again, people have just changed their policies and they're, they're you know, I'll use KLM as, as an example. Again, they've, they've removed the change fees to get a refund. Mm-hmm. So if you want to rebook your flight, you can do it at no extra cost. And also, I think a lot of, you know, airlines and 
and resorts are not even just giving credits, they're giving a full refund Mm -hmm. where necessary. So I think people are feeling like um, more confident about pulling the trigger. Certainly at Travel Zoo, we are running almost exclusively um, deals that are fully refundable because Mm -hmm. that is what our members need to feel comfortable and confident about booking right now. Yeah, for sure. And what are some of the other trends that uh, your members are telling you? Um, They're going to wide open spaces. So the great outdoors are more popular than ever. People are avoiding big cities and uh, and large crowds. So they're going to smaller places. We're seeing a rise in wilderness travel. We're seeing a rise in RV rentals, camping excursions, um, you know, canoe trips, as well as kind of more upscale isolation holidays where people are renting private cabins or villas. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you're, you're getting like your bubble together and you're going to stay, you know, uh, we have a deal in Blue Mountain that's, that's for these villas that, you know, you can have up to eight people. So... Those are, are proving to be extremely popular. Plus, like we have a deal in Manning Provincial Park, um, and it's like at the only resort uh, within the, the provincial park. So you can stay there for like 30% off. And people are really flocking to these deals that are taking them, you know, to distant places. So we're seeing like um, a real jump on these deals that are taking you into the wide open spaces. That's kind of one of the big trends we're seeing. It's easier to social um, distance outdoors, that's for sure. Uh, how do you become a true. member of Travel Zoo, by the way? It's free. You just go to our website and uh, at travelzoo.com, you can sign up for free. We have, uh, you know, 1.5 million members in Canada getting these amazing travel deals. And it's, it's a really enthusiastic community. So, um, you know, we, we actually curate all our deals so that anything we send out to our members has already been checked by us to make sure it actually is like the best value on the market. Um, so and it's a lot of fun right now because the deals are pretty extraordinary mm-hmm. that you can get. And you, can, people to travel. and you can get yeah. involved in all your surveys, too. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, of course, we love knowing what people think. Susan Cato is the uh, Travel Zoo's resident travel correspondent. You can find lots of info on their website, TravelZoo.com. It's uh, always nice to chat, Susan. Thank you. Great talking to you, Randy. Well, it's always exciting when a hotel gives itself a facelift and does some renovations, and such is the case for the Inn at Laurel Point in Victoria, B.C., to give us a rundown on the renovations and some background on the hotel itself. We are pleased to have join us now the Reverend Canon Ian Powell. He is the Managing Director of the Inn at Laurel Point. The website is laurelpoint.com. Hi, Ian. And how are you this fine day? I am well. I'm excited to learn about the uh, Laurel, the Inn at Laurel Point, uh, mostly because I've been to Victoria many, many times, and I don't recall ever seeing it, so <laughs> I feel kind of dumb on it. But uh, tell me where it's located, and then we'll get into uh, the exciting uh, renovations that were completed and, and the story behind it. Right. So location-wise, if you were to stand at the head of the harbour with your back to that other hotel in town... You know which one I mean, of course. Yes, of course. <laughs> the big eye become a jobby. Um, and, and we're looking out uh, uh, towards the water. It would be on the left-hand side on that sort of proboscis of land that actually separates the inner and outer harbour. Mm. So, so whilst it's not right in the heart of town, it's about a five-minute walk from that other place or the legislative building, it's, it actually comes with bonuses of having a degree of serenity about it. So you can escape the, what the 
shenanigans that may be going on in town to actually get away from it. Mm-hmm. And the other beauty of it, because, of course, it, we're on this granite peninsula, which got left by time as all the rest got washed away by the waters, is that of my 200 rooms, only six do not have a view of the water. Nice. Very nice, which is, of course, something that I can say that nobody else can boast of. And it really does mean a question from guests isn't, I want a view of the water. It's more <laughs> a case of, do you want an inner harbor view or an outer harbor view? Very nice. Well, and it's always exciting when a hotel gets uh, a facelift, so we'll chat about that in a minute. But give me the, the Coles Notes version of how the Inn at Laurel Point began. Yes, well, it was started uh, back in the 70s, and it was first owned by Delta when they were a very small little company. Started off one by one, Bill Patterson, and um, then was sold off when it was thought that maybe Victoria wasn't, wasn't a touristy place, go figure, hmm. and uh, was bought by our patrons who were Paul and Artie Arsons, both of who have since shuffled off this mortal coil. And um, they, Paul was a, a, a son of Greek immigrants, and he had started businesses back in the, in the 30s. And he decided to get into the hotel biz, and he'd got a small little motel, and this was his great venture into the hotel world. And he and his wife were quite stylish, and, and he was a bon vivant. And so they bought this place, and it's the, and the main part was what we call now the Laurel Wing, mm-hmm. uh, and that existing building. And then they decided, because of their travels, that they really wanted to add to it and, and turn it into something a little bit more special. And so a friend of his was a chap called Arthur Erickson, who some of your listeners may recognize as being a preeminent North American architect who mm-hmm. was Canadian, lived mm-hmm. in Vancouver. Uh, Americans think it's their own, but that's the normal course of events, is it not? <laughs> um, and anyway, so kind of long story short, Arthur designed this extra wing that we now do call the Ericsson Wing, which was built in 8990, and with some meeting space and all the rest of it, and also some beautiful outside space. Well, time passes. At the time, Paul had said, I don't want you to go any further than this. And it didn't include the front of the building. So we have this sort of little bit of a mismatch between the front of the building, which looked like a 70s Delta, and the back, which was a definite Ericsson. And if people don't understand who Ericsson was, Google the uh, Canadian embassy in Washington, D.C., and that's a thing. Or for Vancouverites, think of Robson Street courthouses. Mm -hmm. So very much big guff. Anyway. So he does that, and he designs this beautiful building, and Paul realized he'd made a mistake. <laughs> he, should have, he should have done the front. But regrettably, by the time Paul had got to the point where he was going to husband his resources to do the next bit, he died of cancer, which, and his widow took over, Artie. And Artie was getting on in years too, and decided that she didn't really want to change anything that Paul had done, because Paul, who she so loved, must have got everything right. And so that's the way it stayed from the 97 through to uh, when I turned up on the scene in 06 and, um, and then started with her, who were her, her advisors at the time and they became the trustees when she died. And they wanted the, the, this gorgeous location and an amazing property to actually sort of move, keep, move on with the times, keep up. Mm-hmm. And so we started to redo the Ericsson bedrooms and we did all sorts of stuff. And always the front 
the arrival experience, the meeting rooms, the whole connection process was one we were going to do. But then we had the Great Recession, and of course that slowed everything down, right? And we get over that, and it's time to start thinking about it. So for the last three years, you know, time fixing it, uh, doing the planning, and then the actual doing, we embarked on what we call the renewal of the ground floor of the inn. And if people look at the website, as you've already quoted, they will see quite a magnificent and classic Ericsson-style entrance. And the reason it's a classic-style entrance is, believe it or not, the architect who did this for us was Arthur's understudy 30 years ago when he did the Ericsson. Mm, cool. How cool is that? <laughs> and the beauty of Ericsson stuff, it's, mo- it's a modern classic. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at Eric- people would say to me, oh, we, we love your new wing. And of course, be, you say, yeah, my new wing's 30 years old. They go, no, it can't be. <laughs> well, it is because it was, it's, it's modern, but it's timeless. It's not kitschy. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, it really has helped bring that whole building together and give a, a finite look to the, uh, a grand in the modern style in. Mm-hmm. So now I, I, there's obviously it's the, uh, the lobby area, the entrance area that if someone stayed there five or six years ago, they're going to notice that right off the bat. Oh, absolutely. The minute you come around the corner and, and you said you weren't quite sure it was because the approach to the inn, because of where it sits on the promenade, you sort of have to go into, you go by the legislature and into a sort of, you feel residential more and then turn down a road and all of a sudden you sweep and you go, oh, look at that. <laughs> and so it, you, it's, it's, and you know, some may say, oh, well, it's tucked away a bit too much. I love the fact it's tucked away because if there's one thing guests say to us about this place, they say, do you know, there's something rather special. It feels, I don't know what it is. And some people do use the word spiritual, although I tend not to because of my other calling. I don't <laughs> want people to think I'm sort of doing anything cutesy. Um, but it's, it definitely has a feel. And it's, it, I think it's all, all part of that process that people see it. And that's what I just love about the place. I wasn't going to be here for five or six years. You know how it is. And 14 years later, I'm still finishing off the place. Yeah, and well, of course, uh, like every hotel, there's always something to uh, upgrade and do, right? Oh, yes. It's what we used to call back home. It's like the Firth of Fourth Bridge. You start <laughs> painting at one end, and when you get to the other end, you just go back to the other end and start all over again. Well, that's some of the challenges. Obviously, there's a challenge called this COVID pandemic. How have you managed to uh, through that so far? Um, rather well. I mean, and rather well, of course, is a relative term. I mean, nobody can say except for if you have a place up in, in BC anyway, in Tofino or something where they've done extremely well. But um, so business hasn't been what it should have been, but better than we thought. Mm-hmm. And that's probably because Victoria being that smaller community and everybody knows that the case count on the island is extremely low, uh, means that people from um, other parts of BC and Alberta have come here in some in some decent numbers. Mm-hmm. We won't use words like good or great, but decent numbers when they've wanted to get away and where can they. And so we have. Perfect. Well, you figured it out. Uh, you have all kinds of information, by the way, on your commit to, 
commitment to care uh, page on your website, laurelpoint.com. So we uh, we won't go into too many details. They can find all the details on all the precautions and the protocols Absolutely. and all that stuff. Uh, and they can find out uh, more information on the deals, packages, the rooms. It's all there because we've run out of time, unfortunately. So uh, again, the website is laurelpoint.com. It's the Inn at Laurel Point in Victoria. And the Reverend Canon Ian Powell is the managing director of the Inn at Laurel Point. It was a real pleasure uh, chatting with you, Ian. Thank you. Be well, Randy. Well, if you're looking for a unique historic cultural experience and learn more about the Métis people, one place to visit would be Métis Crossing near Smoky Lake, Alberta. It's the first major Métis cultural interpretive centre in Alberta. So to tell us more about Métis Crossing and its significance is Juanita Marwa. She is the executive director for Métis Crossing. Their website is MétisCrossing.com. Juanita, tell me where Métis Crossing is located. Métis Crossing is in Smoky Lake County, and we are about an hour and 20 minutes northeast of Edmonton along the North Saskatchewan River, and we're actually located within the Victoria District National Historic Site. Nice. Well, it must be very pretty around there this time of year with all the fall colors, I would imagine. It is stunning. I'm looking yes, at... we have a valley of gold. I bet. I'm looking at your website. It's MétisCrossing.com. Uh, tell me the historical significance of that location. The historical significance actually goes back a very long time along the North Saskatchewan River. It is a traditional place where First Nations from the north and from the south would come together and meet to trade. We actually have archaeological dig sites that go back 8,000 years. Because of that very traditional gathering place, the Hudson's Bay Company, as well as the Methodist missionaries, created posts there and started to work with the First Nations that were there. They went back to the Red River Colony in Manitoba and invited Métis families to come further west. And they actually, in the 1800s, late 1800s, early 1900s, became a very large community uh, in that area. And with them, they brought the river lot system of land allocation and they settled that area, that which became known as the Victoria Settlement and the Lobstick Settlement. Wow. Is that the reaction you get when you start talking about this? I mean, it's the first major Métis cultural interpretive centre in Alberta. That's something to be uh, proud of, I would think. It is. And actually, I'd like to expand that to say in Canada and really in the world. So we're very proud of that. Even better. So describe the area for me now. When I'm, when I'm uh, pulling up to the area, uh, what, uh, what kind of an experience am I going to enjoy there? Well, you will pull up to an area that is actively being farmed. So it's agricultural as well as a bit of boreal forest right along the North Saskatchewan River. And depending on the time of year, it will either be beautiful gold as it is right now or stunning white or bright green. And you come into the area and the the Victoria Trail that you come in along was actually the first road that connected Fort Carleton to Fort Edmonton Park. So a very historic road. And this is one of the few places where it's still intact. So you come in along Victoria Trail and there are actually interpretive signs along the way as well that tell you about the history of that trail from RCMP moves the Métis history with hundreds of Red River carts coming along it. Cool. Uh, I understand the, this is the first year it was open. What brought it all together? 
actually, we have been open seasonally since 2005, but in 2017, we received a Building Canada fund, and in 2019, we completed a brand new 11,000-square-foot cultural gathering centre, which has now made us a year-round destination. Nice. Uh, so that answers my question. Uh, are you open year-round? <laughs> we absolutely are. Our winter programs, we focus mostly on the weekends, um, but we can do special group events. We do meetings and workshops every day of the week. Uh, so tell me what a typical uh, day entails uh, when you're there. Do you do uh, guided tours? It's kind of a, or do you go on your own type of thing? Uh, explain uh, that part of it. Well, our goal is to be a self-guided tour, but because of COVID this year, we've actually changed all of our programs so that they are guided. And when people come, you stay within your own cohort, and it is a very safe environment. And our interpreters take you around, and they show you different things on the site. We actually have, for the fall, introduced an amazing new program. It's called Walk in Our Mocks, and it's a Métis archery program. So in addition to our interpretive team sharing with you some of the history of the Métis people and of the lands that you're on, you learn some very fun skills, which are shooting a bow and arrow and how that would have connected culturally to who we are as Métis people and the plants and the animals around us. Well, that would be a lot of fun. What do I, uh, what do I need to bring? Uh, is, is everything, uh, obviously, if you're going to be in the outdoors, you want to dress for the elements, right? Absolutely. It is an outdoor program, except for lunch. Lunch is served indoors. But other than that, it is an outdoor program. We have 500 beautiful acres of land, so there's lots of space to safely social distance. So you want to come dressed for the weather, and there is a bit of a walk involved. So you'll want comfortable walking shoes. No need for mosquito repellent this time of year. But well, other than that, you're probably good. That's one of the advantages of going this time of year. There's no mosquitoes, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> and if people want to camp, they can camp there too, right? Generally, our campground is now closed, but we open generally from the May long weekend to the September long weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and now, obviously, we're living, and you mentioned it too, in the COVID world. Was there any kind of uh, other things you had to put in place uh, to ensure that people uh, you know, have peace of mind when they're going there? We did. We had a full COVID program of protocols put in place. Everything from the basics of sanitizing your hands and wearing a mask to each of the programs, the interpreter that came with you, you were with your own cohorts. So you weren't mixing with other people. The interpreter was always socially distanced from you. Mm-hmm. And we adapted the entire experience. So when you went into some of the historic houses that we have on site, you would go in your, with your cohorts. The interpreter would stay outside because those spaces are too small. The cultural gathering center, on the other hand, is a beautiful facility in which you can very safely walk around. Well, it all sounds very exciting. Do I need, I, I'm thinking I probably have to book ahead. It's not like I would just show up, right? That's right. We definitely appreciate booking ahead, particularly, again, during COVID times. And that's MetisCrossing.com. And you can book for the Metis Archery Program, for the Meet the Metis Program. Or we have just introduced a series of Metis Traditional Arts Programs. So every weekend through the fall into December, we are featuring a different Metis art. So this is a wall pocket weekend on September 27th. We will be um, sewing capotes, which is the traditional Metis coat that would have been made with a wool blanket. We'll have a beading program. All of that is online for the, with the schedules to book ahead. It's really a place to experience the Métis culture, from our dance and our music to our food and our arts and crafts. So it's really a place where you come and you try and you do. 
Give me an example of uh, some of your favorite stories that you've heard over the last few months. Oh, one of my favorite is, I mentioned that we are located along the Victoria Settlement, and just down the road from us would have been the Lobstick Settlement. And in the late 1800s, you can imagine there was no social media, and there weren't even telephones. So the way that the community got together or was notified that it was time to get together is we have one homestead on site that used to belong to Ben Sinclair and Ben was the community fiddler and he lived in the lobstick settlement so he would get into his wagon and fiddle along Victoria Trail which was the notification to all the neighbors at the time that it was time to come to the Cromarty Barn which is now Métis Crossing and have a barn dance so whether it was a wedding or a (laughs) harvest or a funeral or a birthday that was the way they notified each other that they would fiddle down the trail and people would come and gather at the Cromarty Barn which is now Métis Crossing and we would celebrate together as a community around food and table and dance. Anything that I've missed uh, before we go, Juanita? You know, there is one more thing. We are really trying to share the entire Métis culture, and certainly part of that comes around the food, the food that we gathered and shared as a people around our kitchen tables. And in order to share that with the public, we're actually introducing for the first time a series of wild game dinners through November. So every Saturday in November, we'll be featuring a different kind of wild game from rabbit to elk to venison to moose. And all of those will be shared around the table at Métis Crossing through the month of November. Uh, Something to look forward to. Uh, It sounds like a fabulous place to visit. Uh, MétisCrossing.com is the website. There's lots and lots of information on there. And Juanita Marwa is the executive director of Métis Crossing. Thank you again, Juanita. It was so, uh, so much fun chatting with you. It was my pleasure. Thank you. And that is this week's Informed Traveller podcast. Remember, this is the podcast version of the Informed Traveller radio show heard each week on Chorus Radio. You can find more information on the show at our website at theinformedtraveller.ca. So thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, let us know. Leave us a review. Tell a friend. And if you want to drop me a line, my email is randy at theinformedtraveler.ca. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler. Or you can follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.com.